This week in the Dylan and Dylan Show, the majority of the show is dominated by a special out-of-the-box draft as the guys realign the conferences of college sports. Question and answer covers, will the Browns regret trading Baker Mayfield and who is to blame for the Brooklyn fallout? This week in sports is a reaction to the wild news of the conference realignment of USC and UCLA joining the Big Ten and the implications on the rest of the college athletics world. Sports today is Friday, July 8th. Happy to be back with you after an exciting last week of sports and sports news all around the country and all around uh, whatever sport you like and watch. You probably had some breaking news coming your way. DJ Dylan Jasperson here back in Michigan, joined by, as always, by my man, DH Dylan Holt. Dylan, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. You know, last week we recorded a day early on Wednesday, and I, I'm just so happy that nothing big happened. Uh, it was just, it was very, very good timing by us. It's not like that Thursday that just everything broke loose and all kinds of breaking news happened. Nothing, nothing big happened. But we recorded early because I went to see Motley Crue in concert, which is a, sen- a sentence I didn't think I would say in 2022. But I, yeah, I went and saw Motley Crue live at Nissan Stadium, home of the Tennessee Titans, which was awesome. And uh, yeah, I, I'd say it was worth it <laughs> to record a day early, but all the news broke and all all hell broke loose in the world of sports on Thursday. And uh, luckily, Dylan got to record a little bit and kind of catch you all up to speed uh, and fill in those blanks when we missed it. Um, but yeah, I'm doing great. And I just want to give a shout. Congrats to my brother and my new sister-in-law. They got married last weekend. So congrats to Hunter and Courtney. And I'm excited for a fun show. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Congrats to them for me as well. Uh, yeah, I was able to get on and just give some surface level reactions, but we'll be able to give our full reactions now. Uh, maybe it's even better because we got everyone else got to jump on it right away. We got a week to settle with the news, kind of let the news ferment a little bit in our minds. And now we've got, you know, full full takes coming your way rather than the hot takes that came out right away. But uh, excited to get into the bulk of what today's show is going to be based around. Obviously, with the conference realignment of USC and UCLA jumping to the Big Ten last week, uh, it kind of changed our plans for what we were going to do this weekend. I I don't think any better out-of-the-box draft would fit this week than a conference realignment draft uh, brought to to life by D. Holt himself. But uh, it's going to be basically... Dylan and I representing the Big Ten and the SEC as commissioners, uh, and we're going to be drafting new teams to join us in our conferences and kind of reshape uh, the conference, the college football landscape or college sports landscape as we see fit. Uh, the only rule going in is that you know rather than us just burning our first picks on Michigan and Tennessee. Uh, we'll just assign those to us uh, respectively. So for me in the Big Ten, Michigan will serve as our captain 
and in the SEC with DH, the Tennessee Volunteers will do the same as well. Uh, other than that, it's the same as any out-of-the-box draft, snake draft rules, and I got the coin ready to go. Uh, DH, you got heads? Of course. Didn't know maybe it's, it's the biggest one because we're going 16 teams today. So it's, it's true. It's going to take up a lot of time, so I didn't know if maybe you wanted to change up the – No. I ride with heads until I die. And that is the Hawaii coin, and it is a tail. That's, yeah, all right. And I am going to take the first pick because I think there is Fair a enough. definite first pick. Now, usually I have pretty in-depth notes to go along with it, but I have a pretty in-depth draft board. So more of the you know reasoning behind it will be kind of off the dome. Uh, but with the first pick to join uh, Michigan in the Big Ten, uh, I think there's one prestigious – kind of just go to all around university. If you're going to start with an athletic program, you've got to get them. It's the university of Texas out of Austin, Texas. I think when you look at just like what they represent in terms of everything that you want in a college athletic program, Texas has it. So Texas, you know, you've got one of the biggest markets in terms of Texas. Uh, they, they're big enough to demand their own, ESPN channel, the Longhorn Network. That's how big and how big Texas uh, sports is. Uh, And I know they've been down recently in the big three sports, mainly football, but basketball and baseball, they have, they've been historically pretty good and haven't been great in the past few years. But when you look at it, I, I challenge anyone to go follow like a Texas athletics account on social media. And you'll realize like every few weeks, it'll be like, Oh, another Texas team won a national championship. I think it's like my Facebook where I have them. And it's like, it it seems unreal. It's like, how have you won this many national championships? It's because Texas is that good at everything. They are so all around dominant at everything. They are uh, the tied with Texas A&M for the most, uh, for the most money in terms of a college athletic program. Uh, It's a huge reason why that move between Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC. I mean, the, the, the amount of money that Texas draws in on an annual basis is like almost uncomparable to anyone else. And they're just, you know, I hate to, you know, the meme is, you know, we're back, you know, Texas is we're back. They're so close to being back in like everything. Like I know they're like right there in everything. It's like that team is good. They're not great though. And uh, you know, I think adding Texas right now would be the perfect time to add Texas like the SEC is doing. You're getting Texas at its come up right now and and putting them into one of the top conferences in the country, you know, gives them that extra boost. And I think Texas, we're going to see here in the next few years that they're going to be right back where they where they belong in terms of like uh, historically. And there's I mean, that's to say with them being down in those three sports right now, they're still raking in the most money uh, compared to anyone. So that just shows you know, what Texas is as a brand and what they are. So uh, I think with the first pick, Texas has had to be my first pick. It had to be the one that comes off the board first. So I will take the Longhorns of the University of Texas. I'll throw it to you to to grab your first two teams to join the SEC. I like that pick a lot. Texas was obviously on my board. That's an an iconic brand, like you said. And for my first pick, I'm going to go with another one of those iconic brands in college sports. I'm going to South Bend, Indiana. I'm going with Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame is like what I think of when I think of college athletics, which is weird because like, it's not like they've ever been real great in our lifetime at anything. 
but it's Notre Dame. They've been independent. And I feel like whichever of the super conferences end up getting them is a huge get because it's Notre Dame, that brand. Like, like you said with the Longhorn Network, Notre Dame has NBC for football. Like that is huge. And they're just, you go anywhere, you're going to find someone that supports Notre Dame. They've got a huge fan base, a huge following. I mean, it's Notre Dame. I, there's not much more you can say. They, they've got so much history. And just that I, I'm, I'm making my ideal conference, but if I'm thinking in SEC terms, the tradition, I mean, that goes right hand in hand with the SEC. So it's a no brainer. I got to get Notre Dame. Then with my second pick, I'm going with the Ohio State University because there's another school I should probably pick, but I don't want them. I hate them. And I, I'm going to pick Ohio State. I think Ohio State, just they're so, they're so versatile. They're very good at a lot of sports and specifically football, and that's what I'm focused on mostly. Ohio State's just been a juggernaut throughout history, and I, I want the Buckeyes in my conference. I think they're a team that just consistently is just really, really good, and we see that literally the past – decade or more they, they had a few rough years and then they've just dominated they've been awesome they beat alabama in a national championship like the, not many teams do that um i i want ohio state in my conference if i'm talking i want the absolute tippity top best of the best i mean ohio state is just they're gonna bring in money columbus is a huge city which i feel like a lot of people don't realize they're located in a very large city it's just money is there to be made and it just feels like a no-brainer that's a school you want and your ideal tippity top conference. So I'll go Ohio State and Notre Dame to join Tennessee so far as my first three teams and throw it to you for your next two. I like those picks. I can't say that I love those picks because they're two schools I've grown up hating my whole life, but grown to respect both of them and what they do. And obviously I had them both on my board and uh, uh, it sucks that the big 10 will now have now be without Ohio state, but uh, to replace Ohio state, I've got to go with Alabama. I've got to get my replacement. If I'm not going to have Ohio state in the big 10, I got to get Alabama and they are uh, one of the top earning. I think they're like number four. It actually goes Texas, Texas A&M, Michigan, then Alabama. So I think we're going to have at least three of the top four earning uh, athletic programs in the country and Alabama you know what more than you have to say is that you've got that Alabama football program you've got you know the dynasty that's in progress that seems never ending and will probably never end until Nick Saban retires and uh he might go on for another 50 years at this point it doesn't seem like he's given up anytime soon so uh I think Alabama is a pretty safe choice there and why don't I just round it out my first four my first four teams joining the Big Ten will all be the top earning programs in the country i'm taking texas a&m to join it uh and uh, a big you know people overlook you know the the move that texas a&m joining the sec was and you've seen that texas a&m program just blossom and you saw what they were able to do with the money that they've been able to earn once the nil stuff opened up and you saw what they were able to do with the football recruiting this offseason uh that was on the table for so long because Texas A&M is again one of those brands that you just don't really think about uh you know in terms of uh you know competitive in terms of national championships but they uh, they they earn and and when you're talking football in Texas uh they're definitely one of those programs and, and they do a lot uh outside of that you know obviously they've had a really good basketball program for the past few years but uh all around you know I love you know, one of the things I like about Michigan, uh, most part is like, you, you know, obviously you think of Michigan, you think of Michigan football, that it's been an iconic brand for so long, but there's so many things 
else. You know, the basketball program's good. The baseball program's been good. The hockey program's good. You know, that's where I like, and that's what I want. That's what I'm looking for in schools like that. I think A&M, Texas, those are the types of teams uh, that fit that mold. So uh, give me A&M and give me Bama uh, to replace Ohio State as our football juggernaut. Uh, Throw it to you for your next two picks. Yeah, I couldn't pick Bama. I just couldn't. That's why I went ahead and took Ohio State. That'll be my. I was like, I'll replace them with Ohio State. I I couldn't pick them. I just I would have hurt my soul. And I, I wanted A and M, but I was I was gonna try to wait to get A and M. So that's that's a really good pick. Um, for my third pick, I'm going out to Los Angeles, and kind of the inspiration for this draft. I'm going with USC. I absolutely love USC. I don't know what it is, but in the past year, I've fallen in love with that school. And I feel like if I was a top recruit, I'd be headed to LA to play for Lincoln Riley because I just, I don't know what it is. I've just really fallen in love with USC. It's obviously falls in line with the traditions of like Notre Dame. Obviously they're huge rivals. That makes a huge rivalry game in the conference and USC. It's kind of slept on. They've had a pretty good basketball program here lately, putting guys in the pros. It's kind of slept on like a guy like Evan Mobley, Kevin Porter Jr. They've got, guys in the NBA now. Uh, and I think the football program is really coming back with what Lincoln Riley is going to be able to do. I And we've talked about, we, we think he might be the guy to bring USC back with just the guys he's brought in this year between Jordan Addison, Caleb Williams, and all those other transfers. They're, they could be a problem. And I, I mean, it's USC, it's LA. When they're really popping, they can be the biggest show in town and it's Los Angeles. So, I mean, USC is a no-brainer. I love that program so much. And then my number four pick, I'm going to a team that's going to be coming to the SEC in a couple years, Oklahoma, the rivals of Texas. Uh, Oklahoma's a program that I think is in a better spot than Texas right now. Obviously, Texas is going to make more money, but Oklahoma, like, they're just kind of good at everything. And, they're like, basketball's pretty good. Baseball was really good this year. Um, football, obviously, was really good. They're in a kind of a weird spot where people don't know quite what they're going to be going into this new era, but it's Oklahoma. They're always pretty good. And they're always will be pretty good. And the, they're going to be a solid piece of any conference. And they're, they're a destination uh, school for anyone because it's the tradition. And that, that's kind of the theme I've gone with so far with, with my first four picks. These traditional powerhouses, these traditional powers all coming together just form this awesome traditional conference where the, all these guys that have been talked about throughout the history of college sports play each other every week. And it just – it's a college football dream. And that's what both these conferences are going to be at the end of it. Cause I don't know. I just love thinking of the possibilities, but yeah, Oklahoma, my fourth pick, the Sooners join my sec. I'll throw it to you for your next two. Definitely like both of those picks uh, had the, none of the picks have yet to go outside my top 10 of teams. So I think we're about right on track for what I mapped out in my head. The only thing with Oklahoma is I feel like their move to sec, the sec might look a lot like, Nebraska's moved to the Big Ten, where they were really good in the Big 12. They were really, really good for a really long time. And then they started playing, you know, real, real opponents year in and year out. And, you know, they're more average or below average, as, as we've seen in the past few years with Nebraska. So uh, especially with, you know, they're doing that without Lincoln Riley leading the way in, uh, in Norman. So um, but obviously a very solid choice up there in my top 10 for sure. Uh, with my next pick. 
I'm going with the defending national champions, the Georgia Bulldogs. And I think this is uh, kind of going away from my theme. I kind of said I was going to go with the all around. I think Georgia is another one of those football juggernauts that you that you pull in. But when you're forming a college football or college conference, you kind of got to think of football first and everything else afterwards. Uh, and if you have a chance to get the, the defending national champs and probably – the like fastest growing program of of any like blue blood out there you got to take them and that's georgia i mean that's that's a team that now that they've won that national championship now that you know it's possible i feel like they're right there with everyone else the alabamas the ohio states it's like they can compete year in and year out and i think uh they're going to be very solid in in doing that for for years to come so i think they just join almost taking the spot of like what what Clemson was doing for the past few years, but now uh, within Alabama's conference, which gives it a little bit more parity. And and now they'll both be in the big 10 rather than the sec. So uh, fun to see there. Uh, And I'm going to swipe another sec school uh, at at this point. I'm going to go with Florida. I'm going to go with the Florida Gators at this point, a very solid athletic program. That's more of what I was saying with the other picks. I want a program. I want a program that's, you know, good at a lot of things. Florida, I mean, growing up, Florida was the program. They were multiple national championships in football. One of the only, I think the first team and still the only team to win football and basketball national championships in the same year. Uh, And they're one of those, it, it seems like, Every time you look, maybe it's not the sport you're looking at, but they are dominant at something. And I know their track and field program right now is amazing at Florida. Uh, I know they're very, very good at a lot of things. Their their basketball program is coming back. Uh, obviously, the football program hasn't been what it was when we were growing up, but still, I feel like they're always at the they're, – they're Florida. They're always at the point where they could be – one of the best teams in the country, just given just a couple of the right signings, if a couple of the right guys to go their way, if they can find things there, then they'll be good. So uh, uh, a couple more SEC teams coming to join the Big Ten, uh, looking more like a, a full nationwide conference uh, that the Big Ten has become uh, in, in real life as well. So uh, adding Florida and Georgia, throw it to you for your next two picks. You pick my three biggest rivals, and then like obviously they're all in my draft board. I was never gonna pick them because I hate them so much, and they deserve to be picked as high. I just pure hate. I can't do it. I just they burn my soul inside. Um, I'm also gonna go to the SEC, and I think this will probably be our last SEC pick for a little while. I don't know. There might be. A, I, there's another school that might get picked up. Um, I'm going with LSU. Because it's LSU. I like LSU is always pretty good. And I, I love LSU basketball, especially now that Matt McMahon's there and KJ Williams is there and Juice Hill and Trey Hannibal. I'm going to follow LSU basketball very closely. But it's LSU. And after visiting Louisiana and New Orleans, I just, I have a greater appreciation. That's just a different place. And I, I, I think we've all seen the scenes of Death Valley. Like no matter if LSU is a six and six team or 10 and two, Death Valley's always popping. They're the biggest show in town, no matter what. It's the tradition of LSU football. And that we saw in 2019, which might be the greatest college football team of all time. When LSU's good, there's nothing better. And I, I just – I love what LSU has to offer. I think LSU gets slept on sometimes because they are in the SEC with so many just great schools that we've mentioned before them. And I, I don't think that's fair. It sucks for them because I, I think LSU has a lot to offer, and they've shown it in the past few years. They've been really, really solid in basketball, with which might have helped with Will Wade cheating. 
But I think I don't. I don't think that really matters. I think LSU has is a program that's sustainable. It's got there's so many good things about Baton Rouge and LSU as a school. Matt McMahon from Murray State, I think, is going to do a great job there. And I I obviously have a soft spot for LSU now uh, because there's so many people from Murray State there, specifically in the basketball program. But I mean, when LSU is rocking, there's just nothing better. And I, I think they're just one of those traditional programs that I want to add to my conference. And then with my sixth pick, I'm going to stay with that theme. I'm going to go stay in the Southeast portion of the United States. I'm going down to the ACC and I'm getting Miami. And uh, I just, it's always been about the U and right now Miami not might not have as much momentum as they've had in the past because it hasn't been the greatest times in Miami, but it's all about the U and I just, I've always had a soft spot in my heart, kind of like LSU, kind of like some other schools I mentioned. And this is very much biased, but I mean, it's Miami. I mean, if you get Miami back to where they were, there's nothing better than the classic, the you just rocking and having 22 NFL players on the field. Like I, and I think that could be in the future. I mean, if you, if you're paying attention to what Mario Cristobal is doing, he is rocking the recruiting trail right now for Miami. And they have a lot of momentum in football. I mean, just getting Mario Cristobal to come to Miami was huge, leaving Oregon. So I, I think Miami could very well get back to where it is in football. And like you said, a lot of these decisions are focused around football and everything else. Miami is a football school. They just got to get back to where they used to be. And we thought we, you talked about Texas. We thought Miami a few years ago was back to being Miami. We found out that wasn't quite true, but it seems like they have momentum again, kind of like Texas, but they're not, they're not quite Texas, but Miami it's the U. And I, I think they've kind of got the momentum under their, under their wings again. And hopefully the hurricanes are back to where they could be. I would love to see them do that in my new SEC. Uh, I'll throw it to you for your next two. Yeah, like those picks. Uh, almost cleared out my top ten, but then Miami was a bit farther down there. I think Miami just stinks of scandal to me a little bit too much. Uh, but, I, I mean, I obviously, I love all the things about Miami, but if I'm, like, making my conference, I just feel like they're, like, two steps away from another, you know, uh, scandal violations coming their way. So I had them a little bit farther down my list to round out my top 10. My 10th team that I had uh, is Penn state, uh, another big 10 school. I think it's the first actual big 10 school that I will be adding. Yeah. I was going to get Ohio state, but you ended up getting Ohio state Penn state, uh, you know, again, is more of a football school than anything else. Uh, They can be solid at other things, but if, you look at uh i think they have the least amount of total big 10 championships in the last 10 years but the the thing is is they're a football school and they they do football well for the state of pennsylvania and you get that that northeastern market uh with the northeastern pennsylvania market they are the main team in pennsylvania and and, i mean their athletic program pulls in 100 million dollars a year still they're still a top 10 mate like earning program in terms of, you know, what they do. And, you know, they've got one of the biggest stadiums in the country. They're always pretty competitive. I wouldn't say elite, but they're, they're a good football school, traditional power. You've got a lot of tradition there and you, you kind of lock up another, you know, uh, they're, they're Michigan light is what I'd say. They're, they're, they're Michigan, the wannabes in in a lot of ways, but you know, they're, they're close, but, just not quite what we are, but I'll, I'll take them because they are a solid program. Uh, and then I'll take the other LA school that's moving out to the Big Ten. I'm taking UCLA, now a Big Ten school, uh, uh, soon to be a Big Ten school, I guess, now a Pac-12 school, but soon to be a Big Ten school. Uh, for all the reasons that USC 
uh, joins your program or your conference, UCLA joins mine, uh, more for the basketball reasoning, you know, obviously a historic basketball program, solid and other things, you know, football has been very good. And, you know, they're a solid program, you know, it's UCLA, they're in LA, they can do a lot of things that other schools can't because they're located in the Los Angeles area. Uh, they've got an iconic rivalry with USC. Uh, unfortunately, we'll be breaking that up by drafting them into our separate conferences. But, um, you know, it's just you, know, you bring in that, that, that market that is L.A. and you make your conference so much better. So um, I think UCLA is just one of those teams that it's a no brainer to join one of those super conferences and, and grab them up if you can, because you get you get a lot with UCLA, not just basketball, but you get a lot of other things as well. So take Penn State, take UCLA throw it to you for your next two. I like the, both those picks a lot. And I, 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 I was deciding between USC and UCLA and I was like, I want USC because literally if you've listened to this show at all, you know, I've fallen in love with USC, like I said, and I Penn state, I somehow forgot about, I knew I was going to forget somebody on my list. Penn state was not on my list, which I'm kind of surprised about. So I, I've been watching like the best college football traditions and anytime the wideout comes on, I'm like, oh, my God, I want to be there for that. That looks awesome. So I'm surprised I forgot about Penn State, but that was an awesome pick. Uh, for my next pick, this is more of a basketball move. And they're all right at football, but I, I'm going North Carolina. I think that's a, an iconic basketball brand, one of the absolute tippity-top programs out of the ACC, joining the SEC, which very well could happen in real life. Um, and I, I think North Carolina is a program that's very well respected in football and basketball. Uh, obviously basketball, but I think football, they're not pushovers, which uh, is very good to have. I think they're a team that can get things done in football, but basketball, I mean, that's they're instantly at the top of the conference and they're my seventh pick, which is really neat. Um, and I mean, it's just all the tradition there with basketball, which I've got with all the other schools in football. It kind of follows my trend. And I mean, it's Michael Jordan's alma mater. Like they've got all those national championships. They were just in the national championship this year. Like I, I'm really, really excited to add a program like UNC. And then with my eighth pick, blow a Phil Knight's alma mater, Oregon. And I think Oregon might be a slept on one in this, but man, so much money in there with Nike. And they've got a pretty good tradition with football. Uh, they they kind of get slept on because they're out in the Pac-12 and no one wants to stay up till 1 a.m. to watch football. But uh, SEC fans are going to have to get used to it when uh, Oklahoma and Oregon are playing at 1 a.m. on a Saturday night and it's SEC on ESPN. Um, I think Oregon is a program that I think if you ask anyone under the age of like probably 27 – they're like, yeah, Oregon's like one of the best football programs in the country because that's what we know. We know Oregon's always there getting 10 wins at least and competing at the top of the Pac-12 or the Pac-10 or the Pac-6 or whatever they are now because they're losing everybody. Um, and I, I think Oregon, they're the cool program. Everybody's like they have a million uniforms and it's awesome and we like to watch them play football because they used to be when it was Chip Kelly, they were playing fast and it was Marcus Mariota, Michael James. Uh, De'Anthony Thomas, all those fun guys just put up a million points. It's like, these guys are awesome to watch. I want to watch them every Saturday. And then now they, they've kind of morphed into just a good football team, which has been cool to see. And they play more traditional style. But yeah, Oregon's just a, a very, very solid program that I think any conference would want. And I'm very excited to add them. And obviously the Nike money will be nice to have. Yeah, absolutely love those picks. I'm going to, I, 
in my youth, I was a bandwagon Oregon fan, like many of us were uh, back. Everybody then. was. Yeah, everybody, everybody was. Everybody was. I, I took it to another level, though. I have a I have a decent amount of Oregon gear uh, in 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 the back here somewhere, uh, laying around. But uh, I'm also obviously UNC is uh, the adoptive team of the Dylan and Dylan show, so obviously love that pick as well. Uh, for my next two picks i think yeah for the next two picks i think it's time to gut the acc of what they have left so for the first one i'm gonna go with florida state kind of the acc version of florida they've got a lot of potential in football uh obviously historic football program hasn't past few years have been very very rough waters for florida state but obviously another team that's always on the precipice of being very very good and one of those teams is just like iconic. Like if I was being recruited by Florida state, I would be telling the whole world about that. And I think that's kind of, you know, what, what is the bar for me a little bit, obviously a lot, almost any D one school, I would be telling the whole world about, but Florida state's a a whole nother level. And I think, you know, there's a reason for that. Uh, And then I'm going to go with Clemson, obviously fell off last year and kind of forgotten about because of what happened in football last year, but still, they are uh, still one of the elite football programs in the country and probably will be on one of the top four or five teams next year as well. Uh, and moving forward. I mean, there, there's still loads of talent in Clemson's football program uh, and they've been very solid at other sp- sports as well. They have had a good basketball program, not a great basketball program, but very, very solid basketball program. And Clemson baseball is very good. Clemson baseball has always been very good and one of those teams that you've always looked up to uh, and uh, just got uh, Michigan's head coach in baseball. So uh, moving on there. So I I think Clemson is a kind of a slept on all around program uh, and kind of slept on just because, you know, they didn't do great in football last year, which is their main sport, but they they're elite. Uh, They're going to be elite moving forward. And I think, uh, they are one of the big fish left in this whole real life conference realignment. Clemson's just kind of swimming. Not no one's really saying much about Clemson, but I think that is one of the big ones that could really go either way. I could see them going to the Big Ten. I could see them going to the SEC. Uh, I could see them finding a third conference and and, and making that Clemson's conference. Uh, kind of what they've done with the ACC. I think they're a real oddball out there. But I'm gonna in this scenario, they're joining the Big Ten. Uh, along with Florida State, uh, and I will throw it to you for your next couple picks. I like both those picks a lot, and I think I just kind of forgot about Clemson, like you said, because they weren't on my list for some reason, and it's Clemson, and I I, I don't know what it was there. I, I didn't want to hog the Florida school, so I was like, I'll take Miami. He can have Florida State. I knew that was coming, but yeah, I think I just forgot about Clemson. I like both those picks a lot, though. Um, and both those schools are probably headed out of the ACC, so that's very relevant. Uh, with my ninth pick, I'm going down to the state of Texas, to Waco. I'm getting Baylor, former national champions from two years ago in basketball, and they were really good at football, and they have been for a long time now. It's a program that they're just like, they're really good at the big sports. And I I don't know how they are the other ones, but, I mean, at football and basketball, they're just consistently always good, and they have been like our entire lives. That's including women's basketball as well, which they, they were a dynasty for so long in women's basketball right up there with UConn and Tennessee. So adding a program like Baylor where they're just successful in all areas and kind of slept on in the state of Texas because there are so many great college um, programs in Texas. Baylor is right at the tippity top uh, private school, and I think they add, they're going to add a lot of value to whatever conference tries to sweep them up in the future because they're going to go really under the radar, which is unfortunate because 
they just are really successful at all the major sports. And my 10th pick, I'm going with, and it kind of hurts my soul, my home state school, school uh, the University of Kentucky. It kind of hurts my soul, but it's all right, because UK, uh, they're pretty good at what they're good at, and that's basketball. Obviously, the last few years haven't been as good, but, I mean, it's Kentucky. They're the winningest program ever. That It's what they do is basketball, and the, the whole state is painted blue. Trust me, I that's all I see, um, and it's kind of annoying, but, hey, I get it. And they're literally in the most successful era ever in football, except for when Bear Bryant was their head coach. So things are up and up in football. They're selling out games. Obviously, Rupp Arena is always sold out. And they're, I mean, we now have a conference in, where the basketball conference is North Carolina, Kentucky, and Baylor at the top. That's juicy. I love that. And Baylor's kind of the only oddball pick so far where it's like not super traditional power. Oregon's not really either, but I kind of consider Oregon up there with the other dogs now because they've been good for so long. But, yeah, Kentucky traditional power in basketball, obviously, and Baylor has just been so good recently it's hard to ignore them. But, yeah, I'm happy with those two picks, and I'll throw it to you for your next two. Yeah, I, I did think I had a little bit of time to wait on Kentucky, so kind of uh, a little bit upset I didn't get to pick them earlier because I thought I would have had a chance to get them later. I did not expect you to even think about Kentucky, but uh, obviously love both of those picks uh, for sure. Um, with my next pick, I'm going to dip back into the SEC. I'm going to get Alabama's foil. I'm going to go get Auburn. Uh, I think it's really the last real big – SEC school left uh, and obviously we think of them as a football school as we think of most SEC schools because that is, uh, the SEC is a football conference first and foremost and everything else comes second but as we've seen like with Jabari Smith obviously and the the just the the growth of that Auburn basketball program is just shined a light on how good that just Auburn program athletic program is in in general I think they're building something there that I think I if I was you know, trying to build my own path and I'm getting recruited by Alabama and Auburn, I, I might I might look at Auburn and see what they're doing because they, they might be offering something that Alabama can't. So I, I, I like what Auburn's doing. I'll, I'll add that program. Uh, and then I think this is where the picks really get interesting. Uh, after Auburn and after all the, like, real schools have gotten off, I think this is where uh, it really becomes interesting and in where you go from here. After this, and I hate to say it, I think I got to get MSU. I think I got to get Michigan State. Uh, Michigan State, uh, football has obviously been on the rise. Uh, I would have told you after Mark D'Antonio retired that they were going to be dead. But Mel Tucker came in and give give him credit, has absolutely turned that program around. And, and they're recruiting at a rate that I never thought Michigan State would ever recruit at. So their football program is like – if any team stock is going up, Michigan State's is. And obviously, give me a historic basketball program like Michigan State, and I'll, I'll be happy with that. So um, doesn't doesn't make me happy that I'm drafting MSU. The same with you drafting Kentucky. I, I, I'm not thrilled with it, but I, I feel like at this point in the draft, they're just too good to pass up in terms of what their value brings to the conference. So give me MSU. Uh, and give me Auburn, and I'll throw it to you for your next two picks. I think I'm through 12 teams right now, so we're, we're getting close yeah. to the end here. 
Yeah, I, I'm about to pick my 11 and 12. I like both those picks a lot. Uh, I, I had Michigan State kind of locked and loaded. I was like, I'm going to pick Michigan State. Uh, so kind of upset with that, but I, I fully understand the reasoning. It's a good program. It's a, they're, they're good at what they do, and obviously Auburn. I think Auburn and Kentucky are very interchangeable, and I think the history of Kentucky basketball, it really – I was like, all right, I got to pick them, even though it kind of hurt me. Uh, with my 11th pick, I'm going to the Big Ten. I'm going up north, Wisconsin. I, I think Wisconsin's a program, for me anyways, I kind of overlooked them. Then I started thinking about it. I was like, Wisconsin's kind of sick at both football and basketball. And that's what a lot of my thinking is going into in this. And I'm like, I kind of want to jump around being played in my conference. I, I want that going on. I want some good hard-nosed defense and running the football. I'm all about that. So, yeah, I think Wisconsin, I they're just – they're always – it feels like if they were in the SEC, they'd always go like 7-5 and five or 8-4, and four, which it kind of feels like they do in the Big Ten. I know they're always a little bit better than that, but I, I feel like they're always going to win some games, and they're, but they're never going to be like right there with the other dogs, which might be me slandering them, but that's all right. But, hey, it adds right to the basketball too because they're really good at basketball. They're always pretty good at football, but they're really good at basketball, and I'm excited about that. I'm building up the basketball a little bit more at this point, uh, but I'm also helping out with the football. And with my 12th pick, this one is one that I really wanted, but I had to wait, and I, I don't want to wait anymore. I'm going with Houston because Houston is the fourth biggest city in the United States, and that program just keeps getting better and better. They're really good at basketball. The football program, it's hard to gauge because they're in the American, and it's like, are they really good? Are they not? What's going on here? They beat Auburn in their bowl game, which is like, hey, that's pretty impressive. That's good. So, I mean, in the basketball program, Final four a couple years ago had a good run this year. Like I, the basketball program is set to go, and they'll be fine in whatever conference they play in. Football be it'll be interesting to see. But I mean, it's Houston, it's, like I said, the fourth biggest city in America. And as we as this becomes more of a business, it feels like a slam dunk. That's the fourth biggest city in the United States. Like there's just money waiting to be made. That's a growing program and a growing city. I'm excited to add the Houston Cougars. And I'm I'm so excited I got them because I thought of them and I was like, that's a sleeper pick. Decided to get them with pick twelve. I'll throw them to you. Throw it to you for your next two picks. Yeah, I, I love those picks. Houston, like I said when they joined the Big Twelve, I was like, I wish Houston would have waited because like the Big Twelve waited so long to give them an opportunity. They should have waited. I think waited like one or two more years and the sec would have been calling because like you said yeah you got houston it's a huge huge city and the and the program has just been growing and growing so yeah i think they should have just told the big 12 to get lost we got bigger fish to fry um with my next pick uh i will lock up my next basketball powerhouse i'm gonna go with the university of kansas uh, for basketball almost alone, uh, obviously the defending national champs, give me the defending national champs in both football and basketball, uh, while also giving me just, you know, that, that centerpiece, you know, when you look at the basketball conference, the preseason outlook, you got Kansas up at the top. You're like, okay, I, I don't know about the rest of the conference, but that's a solid conference because you've got Kansas there. So uh, give me Kansas up top uh, for basketball. Uh, and I'm also going to go off the beaten path. Give me Boise state. Give me Boise State. I want Boise State in the Power Five Conference because I think Boise State's deserved it. With all this conference realignment and they just keep getting left out, they're great. They're a good conference. They've got a lot of things going for them. I know it's Idaho. I know there's things that don't go great with, you know, marketing football in Idaho. But come on. I mean, I think it's – I think adding a team like Boise State – 
is emblematic of the fact that you know college sports and sports in general it's not just the big cities the big markets that do it you know because of the internet you know we can fall in love with teams like boise state we can fall in love with these mid-major teams that do fun things and have fun parts about them that have a blue field and run hook and ladders and that type of stuff and that's what makes them fun and that's what boise state is uh so uh I, I don't know, maybe in, maybe not the most strategic pick, but I like Boise State, and I think they deserve to to be in one of these super conferences if expansion goes that way. So give me Kansas and give me Boise State. Uh, and, hey, they're a solid basketball program, too. I know they missed the, the uh, tournament last year, but they are growing in basketball as well. They're, they're a solid program overall. Give me Boise State. Uh, are these your last two – or no, you're in 13th and 14th. Yes. I'm going to get crazy, too. Give me Central Florida. I, I think Central Florida, kind of in the same vein as Houston. Don't Orlando. It's in the same vein as Boise State, obviously. Um, I, I like Houston as a program more than UCF. But UCF, like, like Houston, my last pick, they're in Orlando, which is a big city. They're also in a state that's dominated by college athletics, whether it be Florida, Florida State, Miami. You've got all these big-time programs. The UCF just continues to shine, and they do so many good things in football and basketball. That's what slipped on about UCF. UCF does really good things in basketball. People forget two or three years ago, wherever it was, the Duke uh, team led by Zion and R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish very nearly lost to UCF when it was led by Taco Fall. That game was so close. UCF has a slept-on basketball program. It's in a beautiful city in Orlando. Obviously, the football program has – they've just been rock stars the past few years when they won the national championship. They, they won the national championship, the air quotes, um, in 2018 or 19 or whatever, 18, I think. Uh, they were the national champions, went undefeated. Um, but, yeah, I UCF's just a fun program. I think they'd be very fun to have in this new SEC. My 14th pick, I went back and forth on this, and I think I'm going to go – well, I have to go because I'm going to say it. I'm going to go Virginia Tech. I like Virginia Tech. I always have – I think they're a solid program. They, they have lots of supports for the – a lot of support for their teams, whether it be football and getting inner Sandman, that tradition, into the SEC, or the basketball program that literally won the ACC tournament this year, which is pretty prestigious when you got teams like Duke and North Carolina. Um, so, yeah, Virginia Tech – they're, uh, it's just, I've, I don't know. I, with a lot of these schools, I've said it, I've got a soft spot for Virginia Tech. And I don't know if it's inner Sandman or what it is, but I've always, I've always just kind of liked Virginia Tech. So I'm, I'm excited to add them to the core that I have. And yeah, Virginia Tech and UCF are my picks here. I'll throw it to you for your next two. I love it. I love those two picks. And these are my last two picks. I'm at, uh, third. 13 drafted, so these are going to be two more plus Michigan uh, would give me 16. Uh, so my last two picks. Uh, first up, I got to go Iowa. I almost forgot Iowa, and Iowa is a very solid program. If they would have not made a conference, I think we would have gotten a lot of angry messages. They are a really good football program. We're in the Big Ten Championship last year. I think really run the Big Ten West. Although, I mean, Wisconsin's there, but yeah, I, I like Iowa more than I like Wisconsin, to be honest. And then their basketball program, obviously, with what Keegan Murray was able to do, what Luca Garza was able to do for a few years there uh, has been growing. And I watched them play baseball. They're a really good baseball team, too. So very solid program. I don't think I would have let that slide if Iowa wouldn't have gotten off. And then with my last pick, Oh, this is tough. There's a lot of really good teams left. There's a lot of really good teams left out there. Um, I think I will give the nod 
to Texas Tech. I think they were one of my last teams that I didn't uh, – I almost left off my list, and they were one of the last teams I added. But I think with the growth that they've had in basketball, it really shows – you know what they can do. I think they're one of those teams. Like I think all the Texas teams really do belong in a, in a super conference just because what sports are in, in Texas. Uh, and it shows just like, it really just takes a couple of really good solid moves to see a team like Texas tech thrive. And they were really, really good last year. They were really, really good. Even with uh, Rob Beard moving on to Texas. Uh, and I always, you know, you know, they've, they've had their shine in football. Obviously when Mike Leach, there was uh, their, their peak, but, I don't know. I always think they're like a couple really obviously their defense has been shredded since then, but like their offense is always so good and so fun to watch. Like, I think that's the thing. Like when Texas tech is playing on a Saturday, I usually tune in for at least like five minutes because it's, it's usually you're usually going to see like three or four touchdowns because they're not going to stop the other team and they're going to score pretty quickly too. So uh, I like Texas tech as a program. I think they get the nod over some of these other teams that are left um but it's close it's definitely close and there's some teams that i think are going to be frustrated if they don't get on your uh, last couple picks here i do you have one pick left i have one pick yeah i thought i had two but i forgot i have tennessee um i should probably pick nebraska or washington you know two of these like really historically great programs and washington should be the pick over nebraska i think washington's a really good program and i really like washington I'm just going recency bias, and because I'm friends with people at this school, I'm going with Purdue because I think Purdue has a really good program, whether it be basketball or football. I think Jeff Brom's done a great job there with the football team. He's put a lot of guys in the NFL, a lot of guys that I've become friends with that went to the NFL out of that Purdue program, and they're just really cool guys getting to meet them in Nashville. I I like that Purdue football team a lot, even though they beat Tennessee in heartbreaking fashion. Obviously, the basketball program has been awesome. Matt Painter's done such a good job there. Um, And, hey, with all these schools, a lot of them are focused on one thing and one thing only, and it's athletics. Purdue will help with the GPA, and there'll be a nice pattern there at the bottom to help with the GPA and even things out, and they'll be competitive on whatever field or surface we play on. So, yeah, boiler up with my last pick. I got Purdue. See, that's the good thing about Michigan being at the top is, like, they're like a – a baseline for everything. They're like pretty good at everything and they're a great academic school. So it's like, you can't really go wrong. You can go and get everything else uh, with Michigan leading your way. Uh, What programs did not make your, did not make either of our conferences uh, that could have made that. So I got Purdue. Obviously I mentioned Washington, Nebraska, which Nebraska, sorry, tough luck. I, I don't have a soft spot for Nebraska, Washington. I do, but, Sorry. If I had one more pick, I would have picked you. Um, I only have two left, and it's Stanford. And I thought Purdue is just better than Stanford right now anyways. A couple – like five years ago, I might have said Stanford, but Purdue right now is just better. And Hawaii, because it's Hawaii. And who doesn't want to go to Hawaii? But, yeah, those are the only two that I had left over. Everybody else got picked. Uh, What about you? Yeah, I made it a point to to go over Nebraska because they're a football school and they suck at football right now. So like, what's the point? They're, they're terrible at really everything else. Volleyball. I know they take volleyball really seriously. I shouldn't say that they don't take it. 
volleyball, they're very good and they take that very seriously, but they're a football school and they don't, they're not very good at football. So like that's not an appealing pick right now. Uh, like you said, Washington probably deserved to be on there. If I could trade out Boise state with them right now, I probably would, but I, I I'm going to stick to my guns. I like Boise state still, but Washington, uh, Ole Miss, Arkansas, West Virginia is probably the biggest one that got left off my list because they're very solid at, at football and basketball uh, and Oklahoma state. Uh, I think also very, you know, solid in a lot of things, not elite at anything, but uh, probably deserve to be, you know, somewhere within that, but uh, we'll get into those types of schools as we move forward uh, into this week in sports, but uh, we're going to move on to the question and answer segment of the, of the show. Uh, obviously fun stuff there. Look out for social media for, and you can decide which conference is better uh, as we move forward uh, with the week, but uh, on to the question and answer segment. I'm going to let DH uh, go first this week. DH, you got the floor. What's your question? Yeah, there was huge news out of the NFL yesterday. They saw all the other sports having fun and they said, hold up. We're still King here. Uh, it was a trade we had been waiting for a long time. The Browns finally traded former number one pick Baker Mayfield to the Carolina Panthers pending a physical for a conditional fifth round pick in 2024. And I want to know, will the Browns regret trading Baker Mayfield? I'll throw it to you. All right. So my first like pass at the, like just to qualify what I'm going to say. I usually give front offices the benefit of the doubt with the moves that they make, even when they make what I would call questionable moves. Like when someone trades for someone and I can't understand the the reasoning behind it, I'm like, okay, I, I don't know the conversations that are going on behind the scenes. And I don't know how that ties into a million different other things that work within an organization. So I'm good. I give GMs front offices the benefit of the doubt when they make moves. Cleveland is the one team that does not get that pass anymore, especially with the way that they handle quarterbacks, because I thought trading for Deshaun back in back when they did it was a weird move, but I almost, I was like, you know what, if they're doing it, he must be available. You know, he must be ready to like, they know something that we don't, and he's going to be available for next year. Turns out he's most likely not going to be available for next year. He's maybe not being available for a while, and even when he comes back, he's going to be a PR nightmare. Like, I, I think that's one of the things that's overlooked about all this is like when Deshaun Watson comes back, he might be the most hated athlete in the, in America. Like, I, I honestly think he's going to be up there with, and it's not going to go away just with a couple of years of him sitting out. So I don't know in terms of, in terms of Baker, I don't know if he's ever going to thrive again like he did in Cleveland because I don't know if anyone's ever going to give him the shot like Cleveland did, like really turn the keys over to an offense like Cleveland did. So I don't know if he's ever going to really stand out in the way where Cleveland's going to be like, oh, man, look at how good Baker's doing. I really wish we had him right now. I think it's going to be more of just why do we keep doing this to ourselves? Why do we keep putting ourselves in the situation with quarterbacks? Because it's like, they drafted Johnny Manziel when everyone else was passing on him. Uh, they drafted Baker Mayfield first overall when, you know, he was a, a solid pick at best, you know? So like, I, I think Cleveland is just one of those teams where it's just like, I, I don't know. It's almost like the league needs to step in at this point and be like, and take over GM roles because it feels like they're the, of, of the teams, they trip over their own feet all the time. 
Uh, it's like every move they make, it's like, oh, that's going to backfire. And the, it backfires in the exact way that you would expect it to backfire. So in terms of will they regret this move? I think they will just because the Browns regret every move they make. They really don't make good moves for, for the most part. I think that's really the end like uh, equation of this is like the Browns suck at making moves and they're going to regret it just because they suck and, and they're, they're bad at what they do. But I don't know if it's really going to be because Baker thrives in Carolina. I don't know if that's really the case. Cause I don't think he's the bandaid fix to what Carolina has been doing. I think I, 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 I'm not, I don't like the revolving quarterback door that Carolina has been trying to, to fix their problems with. And I don't think Baker Mayfield is going to be the, the end all be all answer for that. And I, and that's where I think, I don't think they're going to be like, Oh, I wish we had Baker back, but I just think they're going to be like, I wish we could make a competent move (laughs) at this point. I think that's really where they're going to be like, I wish we could stop shooting ourselves in the foot every time we try to get a quarterback to lead our lead our franchise. I think that's where I'm at with the Browns. Um, But what what would you say? Would you think they're going to regret it? Will the Browns regret trading Baker? Let me check my notes. Yes. Yes. Yes, yes, they're the Browns. They finally had a quarterback that took them to the playoffs. A number one overall pick in the NFL draft that took them to the playoffs. Not only took them to the playoffs for the first time in 18 years, he won a playoff game for the first time in like 27 years in Cleveland. It just didn't happen. Baker did it. And not only did that, He threw for like 300 yards and three touchdowns. It's not like he was just handing the ball off to Nick Chubb. He played really well. And then this past season, he was hurt. And it's not like his numbers fell off that much. He still threw for 3,000 yards, completed 60% of his passes. It's just the team wasn't as good. The AFC North is really, really good. And I think the Browns just overreacted. I think Baker was hurt. He played through injury. And they're like, uh, we got to do something. This team's built to go to the playoffs. We, we're not going to the playoffs. Something's wrong, and it's got to be Baker. I don't think that was the case. I think Cleveland kind of had their franchise guy, which is what we all thought. I thought Baker should have been in Cleveland as long as he wanted, and I think they really, really messed up here. They traded a guy that should have been their franchise guy for nothing, really, a conditional fifth-round pick. We met Baker for the like real first time when he really broke out at Oklahoma in 2015 or whatever it was. And as we've learned with Baker Mayfield, he's at his best when he has his back against the wall. And if there's been any time in his NFL career that his his back is against the wall, it is right now where he's been like they chose Deshaun Watson over him. Who Deshaun Watson, as you said, might be the most desp- despised man in sports, not just football i mean no one's like oh i'm gonna go get a deshaun watson jersey right now like the famous browns quarterback jersey that had like 27 names on it the person that owned that jersey got rid of it and bought a baker mayfield jersey i can't imagine they're going and buying a number four deshaun watson jersey that's just not gonna happen and baker's gonna use all this emotion he already thanked cleveland he's like hey thank you for believing in me but work to do now he's gonna go to carolina and i think Baker Mayfield will be quarterback one on a team that has talent in a lot of spots. You got DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Christian McCaffrey. And guess what? Week one, September 12th, the Cleveland Browns go to Charlotte to play the Carolina Panthers. 
and the Cleveland Browns are going to pay Baker Mayfield $500,000 to play against them. And I fully expect Baker Mayfield to absolutely torch the Browns defense because that's what Baker Mayfield does. I think they're going to regret this so much. And it's just, I just, it's the Browns. The Browns are the Browns and they're going to do Brown things as Juju Smith Schuster would once say. It's just, I can't believe it. I can't see this being like a fairy tale happy ending for the Browns. Nothing good is going to come from this. And I just, it's the Browns and the Browns are going to be the Browns. And that's, it sucks. It finally seemed like the Browns turned the corner, but nope, they, they went and did this. And I just, you can't get good karma from making this choice. There's just no way. I just, yeah, I think they're definitely going to regret trading Baker. Yeah, I think this is a franchise-defining move more than anything. When we look back and when in 20 years when the Browns are still floundering and, and our kids and our grandkids are, you know, whatever it may be, are asking us, you know, what? why are the Browns so bad? You know, why are they? And you'll be like, well, here's a great example. When they had uh, finally their, their quarterback number one, the guy that they had, you know, used the number one overall draft pick on, uh, they had that guy locked up and they decided to trade him for a guy embroiled in sexual assault scandals uh, in the middle of in the middle of like the biggest time when sexual assault is taken seriously in, in our society. Like it, it's not it's not like this is 20 years ago when you could kind of walk, you know, what's off the field is off the field and you can kind of like look over, look, you know, brush it off. We, that's not how we play anymore. And regardless of what happens in these court cases with the Sean, he's going to be looked at so poorly when he comes back. And, and that, and on the flip side, like you said, Baker is just a, an easy guy to root for. Uh, he was a walk on at Texas tech and then walked on it at, at Oklahoma and, and fought and got his spot and won a Heisman trophy and was a number one overall pick. I mean, it's an easy guy to root for versus a guy like Deshaun Watson. So, uh, yeah, I, I think, again, I don't know really, like you said, I do think this is a great spot for, for a great landing spot for Baker at this point. I don't know if he's really going to ever thrive again, just because I don't know if anyone's really going to turn the keys over and be like, Baker, you go do what we got. But I do think the Browns are going to be like, wow, maybe we shouldn't have blown up our team just because, you know, one season he played hurt and didn't get us to the playoffs because they've had a lot of playoff list years before that. Uh, it's not, I don't know if uh, Baker deserves all of the blame for that, but uh, as we move forward, we will definitely see definitely circle that week one matchup between uh, like the Panthers and the Browns. Cause that's going to be a fun one to watch. Obviously with a guy like Baker, he wears his emotions on his sleeves. So that's going to be a fun one to watch regardless of how he plays. So uh Anyway, moving on to my question, the other big news we talked about USC and UCLA, that was one of the big things that broke in between our recording Wednesday and our podcast dropping on Friday. The other big news came out of the basketball world in Brooklyn. We talked all about how it seemed like Brooklyn was safe and Kyrie was returning to the Nets. No, no, no. Kevin Durant was not okay with what was going on, and he requested a trade out of Brooklyn Thursday afternoon, uh, essentially killing that super team. Now he's on the block. Kyrie's on the block. Uh, we don't really know what's going to happen. They might end up uh, on Brooklyn's roster for next year at this point, just because it seems like they're asking for a lot. Uh, but at this point, 
you can call the Brooklyn experiment done, bust, whatever it may be. And my question is, who's to blame? Who can we pin the blame on? Uh, whether it be one person, whether it be multiple people uh, for the Nets collapse. I'll throw it to you. What do you think, Dylan? So I decided to put together um, a suspect list on who to blame. I figured that would be the best way to address this. So I have several suspects on who I want to blame. COVID, um, Kyrie, God, Joe Biden slash Donald Trump, Jay-Z, the New York mayor, Kevin Durant, or Sean Marks. I don't think it's Steve Nash's fault, mostly because he's my favorite point guard ever. And I, I mean, he's an NBA head coach. He didn't have that big of an impact. Um, I don't think it's James Harden's fault because James Harden, as Travis Scott has said, James Harden has no idea what's going on ever. So I don't think it's James Harden's fault. I think it probably comes down to about three people. And one of them's not even a person. I think it's probably Kyrie. It's probably COVID or the New York mayor. And two of those go hand in hand in COVID and the New York mayor because the New York mayor made mandates to combat COVID. And Kyrie said, no thanks. And everyone knows the conversation with that. And that's where really all the problems came from was Kyrie decided to be Kyrie and make a stand and, and he's just gone crazy. And I'm not, I'm not trying to go to war with Kyrie because you can believe what you want to believe, but in the NBA, I mean, there's rules to follow. And Kyrie was like, yeah, I'm good sitting at home. And obviously the Nets weren't cool with that. And it led to a lot of problems because the Nets weren't playing like they should be. They, I mean, they were supposed to be a super team and they didn't have a key piece of the super team on the court. And that's a problem. And it led to them trading James Harden to Philadelphia for Ben Simmons, who never played. And it, it's been a theme with this Brooklyn team. Just guys didn't play because it felt like James Harden wasn't playing a lot of the time. And Kevin Durant's just kind of been out there. I don't, I definitely don't think it's Kevin Durant's fault. Kevin Durant wanted to play with the top player in the world, and that's why he came to Brooklyn. And it was Kyrie. He wanted to play with Kyrie. That's why he came to Brooklyn in the first place. And Kyrie just has not wanted to play basketball because he's just been Kyrie. He's, he's making his own personal choices. And it's, it's respectful. It's respectable in a certain aspect, like a certain way you can look at it. It's like, okay, you're, you're standing up for what you believe in. Cool. But at the same time, when you want to talk about how you're a gr- this great basketball player who loves basketball and you're making moves where you can't play basketball, it's like, what are we talking about here? Like, you we're running in circles. Like, if you want to play basketball, do what you have to do to play basketball. It's what I'm getting to is it's Kyrie Irving's fault. And I think everyone knows that. Kyrie is the one that was the mastermind behind going to New York. And he's like, we got to go to Brooklyn, not the Knicks. We got to go to Brooklyn. We're going to be the guys for the Nets. We're going to win so many championships. We're going to get the band back together. James Harden's going to come here, and we're just going to win all the championships. And then Kyrie, like, only played games, like, when they were in Florida or states that weren't New York and the mandates weren't there. And I think if you're Kyrie Irving, you're pointing fingers at all the people that I listed. And everyone else is like, it's obviously Kyrie because Kyrie made a lot of things about Kyrie. And as I'm talking, this is about Kyrie. And that's what it feels like a lot – just all these talks – it all comes back to Kyrie because he's who you kind of have to blame. The blame goes to Kyrie, and that's what I'm sticking with. But do you think it's someone else other than Kyrie? Uh, I mean, obviously, I'm going to get to Kyrie. I, I do think the front office deserves its fair share of blame because throwing this team together without like taking the proper steps to make sure that they were all on the same page is 
on the front office. I mean, like it, you can obviously KD, Kyrie, Harden, they were the ones, you know, masterminding it. But when you go all in on a team like this, you got to kind of sit down with all of them and be like, Hey, we're on the same page, right? Like we're, we're doing this to win championships. We're not like, it's not just the fun thing. It's going to be cool to play with your friends. Like we're taking this seriously. Right. And I don't think they did the proper steps with that because if they did, they would have looked at Kyrie and gone, okay, maybe we're not turning the keys over to you just yet because yeah, like you said, I mean, Kyrie deserves almost all of the remainder of the blame. Uh, he turned the lone year of this Nets super team into a sideshow for purely selfish reasons. He didn't want to get vaccinated. Uh, and so he would rather play basketball part-time than do the best thing for his team and his community for that matter. Uh, and then, uh, you know, past that, you know, past the COVID stuff, you know, they, you know, you can really put a lot of their struggles on that. Uh, you know, a, a super team, you know, they had, you know, think about it. They at one point had probably the three best offensive players in the league all on their team. I mean, Kyrie is the best offensive point guard. Harden's the best offensive shooting guard. KD is probably the best offensive player, period. Uh, and they were still a seven seed and lost in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, and that's that that shows that like they weren't nowhere on the pace that anyone thought they would be at. And then after all that, he's the one that decides to flirt with leaving. He's the one that decides to think, oh, I'm going to opt out. I'm going to go find somewhere else to play. And then only to opt in and act like he's playing 5D chess with everyone when he does it. And I think that was the final straw. I think had Kyrie just opted in and been like, hey, this year was a kind of a wash. Uh, but now we're coming back and we're going to be better than ever. We've got a better team and I'm going to be fully committed to the Nets. I think KD comes back and goes, okay, let's do it. Let's find a way to, to make this work because I didn't come here to play for one year uh, and not make it work. But I think when he opted in and acted like, Hey, I knew better. Like everyone, everyone was dumb and I was the one. And, and that's when KD came out and said, I, I think it was something like, those who were in the gym with me know the truth. And then it comes out that he didn't consult Kyrie before uh, demanding that trade. I think that's, that says all you need to say about it. He didn't think Kyrie was with him in this anymore. And I, and I kind of agree. I think Kyrie was kind of out for himself in all of this. And I think that's kind of the biggest problem. And the thing I hope Kyrie learns from, because we've said it so many times, I love Kyrie Irving as a basketball player. He is one of my favorite basketball players ever. His talent is straight up unreal. And he feels like he feels like he was made to play point guard in the NBA. And with that being said, I wouldn't want Kyrie on my team right now. If you asked if, if we could put Kyrie on my team for nothing, no cap space, no, I'd say no. I do not want that on my team right now. And I am not a guy who usually does those, like makes those kind of decisions. I'm usually like, we'll take it. We'll take what we can, you know, with talent like that, we'll do, we'll deal with everything else. Like we dealt with Rashid Wallace in Detroit. Like it's, we've dealt with sideshows in the past, but I'm not taking Kyrie at this point because he is just a sell. It's a selfish type of cancer. And you just know, those are the types of guys that do not help you win. And that's, that's really the biggest point. And I think it's what he's got to learn. It's like, he's got to put the basketball team before himself next year at wherever he is, whether it's back in Brooklyn or whether it's in LA with LeBron or whether, wherever it may be, Kyrie needs to take a step back and go, okay, what makes this basketball team better? And how can I be the best Kyrie for that basketball team? Because 
then do whatever you want. Then have whatever opinions you want once you're off the court. Uh, but when you're on the court, just be the Kyrie that we all want you to be because you, life's going to be a lot more simple for Kyrie once he does that. All right. That sums up the the Brooklyn saga for now. I'm sure there'll be more as those guys move on to their new teams or the side that they're staying. We still got to figure out how all of this is going to work out because KD is under contract for four years, I think, still. So, like, a uh, long time, a lot of things to figure out. But we'll move on to this week in sports, and uh, it's time to talk about it. USC and UCLA are on to the Big Ten. Notre Dame is seemingly on the clock. They are going to be the next domino to fall, it feels like at least. Oregon and Washington have applied to the Big Ten while the Big 12 is trying to poach the rest of the Pac-12 schools uh, to make the Big Three, the Power Three conferences of the Big Ten, the, the SEC, and the Big 12. College sports landscape has been turned upside down since the last time me and Dylan talked, and it's just time for us to get all of our thoughts out there for you guys. So, Dylan... It's your time. What are your reactions? What are your thoughts to this crazy week of college sports? Excuse my language, but I love this shit. It's awesome. Like it is really, really awesome. I I just that's all I can think about is like I know all these like traditionalists that are like, oh, it's destroying the tradition of the game, NIL, the transfer portal, USC's in the big day. Who cares? We're good. like just imagine five years from now, it's gonna be November twelfth. And Ohio State's going to have to go to Los Angeles after playing in the snow the week before. And they're going to like, they're not going to know what to think. And there's just going to be, it's going to be so different. And they're like, whoa, it's 80 degrees. Last week we were in um, Happy Valley and it was, there was just snow everywhere. And now there's palm trees. And I'm like, that, that's incredible. I'm all about it. And I think it'd be sick. And it goes the opposite way too. USC could have like a four game homestand. And then they have to go to Madison, Wisconsin. That will be incredible. And I think people aren't like thinking about that. Just the, like the possibilities we will see, and just the crazy things that will come from this. Also, the first time Iowa trots out three tight ends against USC, they're going to be like, "What is this game that Iowa is playing? What this is not football." We're used to the Pac-12 where they don't use a tight end. And Iowa has three of these guys. What is this, 1942? I I think it's just going to – it makes a great com- conglomerate of football and just just so many new possibilities. And I think that's what's exciting because we're going to see so many cool things. You keep the USC-UCLA rivalry and you add it to the Big Ten where you already have some really, really cool rivalries like Michigan-Ohio State-Michigan-Michigan State. And it's like, whoa, the, the Big Ten, like I've, I've always – I kind of like the Big Ten. It's never been like, oh, I've got to go out of my way to watch Big Ten football. Now it's like, hey, you've got a lot of exciting matchups that are going to be coming to our televisions in several years. It's like, yeah, I can't miss USC, Wisconsin, USC, Michigan, USC, Ohio State, UCLA versus all these schools. Like, and I'm not even mentioning like Iowa, who obviously is getting affected by this, who's done so well. Now they're going to have to play UCLA and USC. Also, USC and UCLA are used to Pac-12 style football where they're like spreading it out and scoring a million points. The Big Ten's not that way. And they're going to, it's just going to be so many clashes of styles. And it's, oh, I can't wait. I think it's awesome. I, I think a lot of people have to realize college football and college basketball and college sports in general, they are a business. And a lot of people want to think they are. They are. And for a lot of places, it's the biggest business in town. And it might even be in the biggest business in the state. 
like it is for Tennessee. The University of Tennessee is by far the biggest show in that state. I don't know. I assume University of Michigan's very similar. I don't I don't I assume they're probably bigger than the, the Detroit professional teams. I don't know for a fact, but that's how UT is bigger than any of the Tennessee pro teams. And I that's a fact, I'm sure. I'm I'm sure. I, I'm hype I'm hypothetical. I don't know. I'm losing words. Um I'm excited. I think a lot of people are just overreacting. And they got to realize you got to get with the times and there's going to be three big conferences and two of them are going to be significantly better than the other. And that's okay. Cause the other one I think is going to be fun. Cause a lot of the teams, when we did that draft that we're talking about being so fun, like Boise state, UCF, Houston, they're probably going to end up in that third conference. And that's fun. That's going to be the conference that like 2 AM they're going to be playing football in Hawaii. Cause Hawaii somehow finds their way in that conference. And that's exciting. I think it adds, it's going to have where you've got the big 10, the sec, where both leagues, it's like just they're killing each other every week, where you've just got these powerhouses playing all the time. And then at 9 p.m., it's like, oh, yeah, UCF is in Hawaii, and uh, they're going to score a 1,000 points. And it's like, that's really cool. I'm all about it. I think it's just – it's a changing sport. It's a changing uh, demographic, and I, I think that's fine. I think college athletics is getting with the time. Everybody's like, yeah, it's time to pay players, and now it's time. They're going to make a lot of money. Because these mega conferences are going to make a lot of money. And I just think it's really exciting. I, I understand the concern with it, but it's going to be all right. It's going to be cool. We got, like, especially with football, there's like a bajillion bowl games. If your team isn't winning 10 games now, they're not going to win 10 games then either. Like it wasn't going to happen. Win your seven games, be happy. Go make a bajillion dollars playing in the Popeyes. Guy Fieri Bowl and be happy. It, like it's all going to be good. You, you're going to get college football. And it's going to be better. That, like I think at the end of the day, it's going to be better. I know this affects all the sports. College basketball is going to be off the chain, and no one's talking about that. College basketball is going to be awesome, but college football, like it's going to be sick. You're going to be so see so many good matchups. Like in the future, five years or whatever it is, you could wake up on a Saturday and you've got Texas Alabama. Oklahoma, Georgia, USC, or yeah, USC, Michigan, sure. UCLA, Ohio State, all on the same day. Who doesn't want to live in that timeline? Like that sounds incredible. And they'll like ESPN's going to own all the rights to the television, so they're going to have them all spaced out so you can watch them all. Like it's perfect, and I can't wait for it. And anyone that's like, "Oh, this sucks. It's killing the game." Get with the times. You just got to get with the times. It's going to be a lot of fun. And it's a business now. It's I, it, it's kind of like pro sports, and I'm a-okay with it because it's better. It, it always will be, and I'm all for it. I love college sports, and I think it's just getting better. I'm very giddy about it. I want to hear your take on it. So my first initial reaction was it, it's a, it was a great day to be a Big Ten school. Uh, I think I'll, there was a vacuum left when Texas and Oklahoma decided to leave for the SEC of – you know, which conference was going to take over as the next two, the number two, uh, you know, the next one to expand. And I think the Big Ten was the obvious natural choice, but there was still like, you're still left waiting for that shoe to fall. Like who, when is the Big Ten going to expand? Is the Pac-12 going to poach some teams? You know, when is it going to be? So it was nice to see the Big Ten go out and make a big splash like USC and UCLA. Like, I think that was 
not only the the a, a good move to you know be the next to expand, but I think the best move to expand. I think they were the best two programs out there uh, that you could have gotten from a from a Pac-12 or anything like that. So uh, I think it was a great day to be a part of the Big Ten. And I feel really bad for all of the co- the you know the teams left not in one of the two super conferences right now. If you are left outside. I think it's a very scary time to be within that, that realm. I, I think other than, you know, like Clemson, Florida state, Miami, Notre Dame, the ones that are getting bid over those ones, they'll be fine in the end. They'll find their way into one of these conferences and they'll be fine. I feel bad for like the, the Kansas States of the world and the, you know, the Arizona States where it's like, what the heck is going to happen at the end of this? You know, we were in a power five conference just two seconds ago. And now all of a sudden, all everyone's leaving, everyone's moving around. And now we don't know where we're going to be. It's a game of musical chairs and no one wants us to get on a chair. So I think for those teams, I think it's a really scary time. I can understand why they're probably upset about it, but I think we're moving towards a college football landscape dominated by not tradition, but by reality, because those teams aren't competing at the same level as the teams that are in the super conference. It's just, it's just a fact. Those teams were never going to be on the same uh, realm. And I think this is more of just like a natural, you know, kind of like a, you know, natural progression of what was going to happen. It, it kind of naturally evened itself out to where these two conferences are taking the, the schools that can compete in uh, for national championships. And the other ones will get left in these other conferences where they can either make their own national championship. It's almost going to be like a three tiered system now for division one, where it's going to be the halves up top uh, the middle tier. And then, you know, the FCS teams after that. And then, you know, money wise, I think it obviously makes sense. And if you look at this through a money perspective, like you said, it's a business money wise, adding those LA schools makes so much sense. And then it makes sense with what all the next moves are. Uh, like you said, in the draft, Notre Dame is such a powerful brand and what they bring to whoever, whichever conference they end up in uh, is such a big deal, but they valued that independence for so long, mainly because of that TV deal that they have. They're not going to be uh, exclusive to NBC if they join the Big Ten or the uh, uh, or the SEC. So that's a big thing. Uh, I'm re- like like I said in the draft, I'm really interested to see where kind of some of these teams that are left waiting are are going to end up. Like the Clemson's, Florida State's, Miami's. Uh, I think a lot of them make sense in the SEC, but. I don't think USC or UCLA a week ago, I would have said made sense in the big tents. So I, I don't think you can take the geographical stuff and just call it, you know, that's what it's going to be because they're in the South, they're in the SEC anymore. I think it's, it's a free for all up for grabs. Every team's up for, you know, Notre Dame might go to the SEC, Florida state might go to the big 10. It might be one of those things because I don't think those are the things uh, that really matter that much. And really anyone that's like you said, that's shouting at the clouds, that's being like, Oh, tradition and blah, 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 traditional entities, regional pride. Other than that, the only argument I empathize with is that I don't want the TV networks kind of dictating what happens because really ESPN and Fox did this. I mean, ESPN was behind Texas and Oklahoma. Fox was behind USC and UCLA. They're going to make a lot of money behind this. But other than that, that's more of just like a, you know, like your morals type of things. You don't want big corporations in your college football. Other than that, like, I I don't care if it's not the college football you grew up with. Like, this is this is what college football is. And I think it's what a lot of people have been wanting for a long time. 
we're going to, this makes so much more sense as we go forward, because now we're going to have, as the playoff expands, hopefully soon, uh, it's going to be more just like the best teams from each of these two conferences, rather than it's going to be like trying to find eight separate teams from five different conferences that make sense. It's going to be like, well, what are the two, what are the teams that make sense? Because they've all played each other and all the big teams and all the good teams that really deserve these spots. will be able to measure them up because they all played in the same conference. Like you said, it's, it's moving towards professional football, but it's a business. This is in a sense, professional sports because it, kids are making money now playing this game. And I think we need to have more. I, I think this realignment makes things more fair. It, it puts teams more on a, a level playing field. Uh, and I think th- that's just going to be the natural progression and it, it's going to be more how it's going to go. And, and I'm really interested. I think, like you said, it's really exciting to see all this stuff happen. And I'm really interested to see how, the rest of this falls out like what in the next couple of weeks, because I don't think we're done this summer. I think there's going to be at least one or two more schools that make a move uh, coming for the future. And I, and that's, that's fun. I remember the first time this happened back when like Maryland and Rutgers moved and it was A&M and Missouri moved like that was, that was kind of fun. That was like, Oh, that's a little bit of a taste. This is real. This is, blue bloods moving conferences now we've got you know clemson miami kansas i kansas is a big one where do they go where do they, all these teams end up that just moved conferences do, do any of them end up other places how does this all work out i'm i, I like like you said I, and we've said a bunch of times we're college sports fans more than professional sports fans and this is so much fun to watch like this is just like yeah yeah it's almost you you flip the board a little bit you you messed it all up and now we're trying to put the pieces back together and it's it's a lot of fun to look at because you know it's it's chaos like i think that's what college sports give us more than anything is chaos and this is this is the, the emblematic of it uh at its best do you think any of like the bottom this this is mean to say but do you think any of the bottom dweller teams will try to get out like a Rutgers in the big 10 or a Vanderbilt in the sec? I can't imagine they would, but I just want to throw that question out there. It depends on like, you know, they're going to be making so much money. And that's like the big thing is like adding USC and UCLA to the big 10, just adds so much money to the revenue and how much they share. Um, I think it's more of like, do the conferences try to force some of these other teams out to make more room? I think that's one of the things you might be asking is like, if, because I I think they're, you know, with Oregon and Washington, those teams that are out there, that are looking to kind of move, but there's not the spots there for them. Like the revenue wouldn't be good enough uh, joining, like adding an Oregon and Washington. So you'd have to make some moves. And I feel like the big 10, would be a natural type of thing. But like, like you said, there's teams like, like Northwestern, which love Northwestern for its academics. It's a great school. They haven't been competitive in very much of anything in a very long time. And and Maryland or Rutgers, like these teams that don't fit as well as Oregon and Washington might fit now. Do they, does the big 10 kind of go, Hey, you haven't been living up to the big 10 standard. We, we might be thinking about going in a different direction. I, I wonder, and I wonder if the SEC is thinking the same way with teams like Vanderbilt or, you know, uh, 
Mississippi State, maybe, you know, the teams that really haven't been competitive in anything that are like, hey, teams like Notre Dame need a spot. You, you, you might be taking it right now. Yeah, I think that could definitely happen. And I, I'm very curious as to if it happens, because like with the SEC, I could see them maybe getting away with it with Vanderbilt and kind of pushing Vanderbilt out. But I mean, Vanderbilt's an OG member and they're so good at uh, baseball. That it's like, would you really want to get rid of Vanderbilt? And obviously, it's such a good school. I mean, like the Mississippi schools, like they don't do a whole lot, <laughs> but like that's the last two baseball national champions, and they have diehard fan bases. They don't have pro sports in Mississippi. Like those are the b- two biggest teams in the state of Mississippi. So I don't know the SEC. I think it'd be really hard to kick teams out of the SEC. And I like Vanderbilt, maybe Mizzou, because Mizzou has done a whole lot of nothing since they came to the SEC. And like maybe the, I could see Mizzou being like, all right, we're going to go back to the Big 12 and like kind of be towards the top again. And Vanderbilt, I feel like they're not really worried about basketball or football, but they could go somewhere and literally be the kings of baseball. But they could do that in the SEC as well. So I, I think Vanderbilt will probably stay put and just lose a lot of football games for the next 100 years. Um, but yeah, I think it's we're gonna see a lot of a lot of funky business in the next couple of years, and it'll be interesting to see if like Rutgers or Maryland if they ended up somewhere else because they might want to because they're they're not gonna be able to compete and it sucks and it sucks to say, but like why not try to restart the Big East in football and like get Louisville and Duke because the ACC is gonna fall apart, start a new Big East and get things going. There's going to be so many crazy things. I'm excited to see it. And, yeah, I don't know. There's going to be a lot of hypotheticals as we go. Yeah, uh, that's that's the fun stuff. It's like we're not even really into the, the thick of what's going to happen now because, yeah, once those top ACC schools start to leave, you know, the rest of the Pac-12 starts to leave, you're going to see probably a, a third conference kind of emerge that's kind of just like a conglomerate of what's left and, and – uh, that's going to be even exciting. You're going to see, you know, a, a conglomerate of teams, you know, like Duke and, and North Carolina, maybe North Carolina, but also teams like Oklahoma State and, and Washington State and teams like that. It's going to be such such a weird way of how all, the, all of it falls out, but uh, that's what's exciting about it. I'm so excited to watch all of it. I think we're going to just get more and more news, hopefully, as, this, as the summer goes on, and it's just going to be uh, – it's going to be even more wild to look back and be like, try to tell like a 12 year old Dylan Jesperson, like this is what college sports is going to look like when you're, when you're an adult, it's going to be like, Holy cow. Uh, uh, that will do it though. That's all we've got for the show today. Dylan, any final thoughts before we get going? Um, I just thought about telling 12 year old Dylan Holt that uh, yeah, Tennessee, like they'll be in the same conference as Texas and Oklahoma. I'm like, wow, the SEC really kicked them out. How about that? That's what I would have thought because Tennessee sucked my entire life. So I would have just assumed that Tennessee got kicked out. But no, Texas and Oklahoma come to the SEC. And there's just so many fun possibilities. The college football games are coming back. Like, oh, the future is so bright with college sports. I just, again, with the yelling at people yelling at clouds, get over it. This is, it's a new day. And I'm so excited. And by the way, I'll be at Bush Stadium Saturday. Excited to see the Cardinals probably lose. But yeah, that's all I got. 
All right, that'll do it from us here at the Dylan Dylan Show. Here's where you can find us. You can find us at Dylan Dylan Show on Twitter and Instagram. You can find Tunnel Vision Sports on Instagram at under at Tunnel Vision Sports underscore on TikTok and Twitter at underscore TV Sports on Facebook and LinkedIn at Tunnel Vision Sports and on the web at TVSportsMag.com. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Have a great rest of your weekend, and we will see you all next week. See you later.